It is good to see you all on this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to begin this morning by examining a question that was submitted by a husband to the advice column, Dear Abby. Bear with me. This was submitted this month. I want to read the whole thing to you. So hang in there. Dear Abby, my wife and I have been married for 40 years. 15 years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer and given 18 months to live. Well, she is still around. Because of the illness and experimental medications, she was bedridden and her dementia grew steadily worse, left with no other options because of problems with insurance. I placed her into a nursing facility six years ago. I am still at an age at which I have, I hope, many active years ahead of me. I visit her often, but I have a need for companionship that she obviously can no longer fulfill. I'm friends with a few women, usually friends of friends, and from time to time have the urge to become closer. I go out to dinners, music venues, art shows, etc. I am torn about whether to live my remaining days in loneliness or pursue the possibilities. Is it wrong to want companionship in my situation? At what point should I explain my situation without scaring off a nice lady friend? Your opinion would be helpful to me as another perspective. Anonymous, of course. Brothers, I'm so thankful for the Word of God because the Word of God lifts the guesswork out of life. In this man's defense, this is not an easy situation. But his issue is, his problem is, and what led him to writing this to this advice column, Dear Abby, is he's devoid of wisdom. He doesn't have wisdom. Proverbs 4 verse 7 tells us wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Husbands, brothers, wisdom is the creme de la creme. It's priceless. It's first and best because, listen... What it does is it imparts to you and to me God's perspective, which is a massive game changer. When you have God's perspective, that means that you now have God's mind on whatever you're looking at. And that is an absolute game changer. And God gives us his perspective in verse 7 about this. Look at it. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. This is what we looked at last week. Now here we go. Giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor unto the wife. Listen, refers, this is so critical, to the value that a husband assigns to his wife. This is the value that every husband assigns to his wife. In other words, this communicates 
or it represents what she is worth to you. The bottom line for the man reaching out to dear Abby is that his wife is not worth being faithful to under those conditions. I mean, he's already having dinners with friends. <laughs> She's not worth that level of faithfulness. I have needs. I have years left. The value that he assigned to her was not at that level. Brothers, fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. God will always expose the value that a husband has assigned to his wife. Whatever she is worth to you, which is a decision that you have made, and it's one that you make regularly, whatever that is, God is not going to allow you or me to kid ourselves. We can talk a big game all we want, and, and, and we can say all the right things about, yes, I love my wife, and she's incredible, and she's wonderful, and I'm so thankful. That sounds great. But whatever true value she holds in your heart, God is going to expose that. And value, brothers, is always at the root of adultery. <laughs> when a husband commits adultery, he's exposing the value that he has assigned to his wife. Listen, what he's saying is, is honey, you are not worth being my one and only. You're not worth that to me. You're not worth that kind of faithfulness. Men who are given to the bondage of pornography are given to that because, husbands that is in particular, because that's what your wife means to you. That is not only dishonorable to God, it's dishonorable to her. It says, the value that I've placed on you is such that I actually go in secret and give myself to this filth. Because it's what you're worth to me. So in addition to dwelling with our wives according to knowledge, listen, under the authority of Christ... Husbands must honor their wives. And that begins with assigning the proper value to them. In Roman culture, giving honor unto the wife was countercultural. As a matter of fact, men at this time, when they would have heard this read, would have been stunned. This would have been radical teaching. Women had no honor. They had no rights. So the value assigned to them by their husbands, listen, it would have been extremely low. I mean, they were essentially like slaves. They were property. But when we're talking about assigning a proper value to our wives, <laughs> we must... Eliminate, wipe out, obliterate 
any carnal processing of that. That is, you're not evaluating her physical features and her personality traits and what you think of her as a woman. And on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, you're going to assign a number. Sadly, some husbands do this. Remember, we are to be Christ-like. As husbands, we are to be Christ-like. So let's talk about that. If we're Christ-like, let's talk about how we assign this value. Consider Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All of us were completely unworthy. (laughs) Unworthy. But Christ still assigned a massive value to us. And so here we go, brothers. This is a massive point, and I do mean massive. The value that a husband assigns to his wife, listen, has nothing to do with her features or her performance. Nothing. She can gain 150 pounds. She can be, uh, have a debilitating disease where she can't even speak. Where you literally have to change her diaper. If you're Christ-like, you get that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were at our worst. We were at our worst, and he gave us his very best, his life. He valued us enough to die for us. Listen, the value that a husband assigns to his wife is determined by either Christ-likeness or carnality. That's how this works. Her value, the value you assign to her, is determined by Christ-likeness or carnality. This word honor in verse 7 was also translated, listen, in verse 7 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter as precious. Look at it. Unto you, therefore, which believe he, that's Christ, is precious honor. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So this issue of honor is very much connected to Christ. It's connected to him. For the Christ-like husband, the value that the church holds in the heart of Christ his wife holds in his heart. So just as Christ values his bride, the church, it's how a Christ-like husband, a Christ-like man is going to value his bride. She's not going to be insignificant. She's not going to be an afterthought. As far as she's concerned, she's going to think she's the first lady. But to the carnal husband, the value of his wife is always fluctuating. 
Uh, This is a man who rolls to the theme song of what have you done for me lately? And his wife feels immense pressure to perform, to earn and maintain his value. Immense pressure. So now we go to the other end of the spectrum from where we started this morning. And brothers, I'm begging you to listen. Tom Coughlin was an excellent NFL head coach. He led the New York Giants to two Super Bowl titles. But in August of last year, he revealed that his wife of 54 years, Judy, was diagnosed last year with progressive supranuclear palsy, a brain disorder that affects the ability to walk, speak, think, and control body movements. It's incurable. Over the past four years, the symptoms have slowly deteriorated. Here's what he said. Our hearts are broken. Listen very carefully. Judy has been everything to our family. Value. She's been everything to our family. That's what she means to him. She's been everything to our family. For the past four years, we've helplessly watched her go from a gracious woman with a gift for conversation, hugging all the people she met and making them feel they were the most important person in the room to losing almost all ability to speak and move. And I was brought to tears when I read this. He said, I am not seeking sympathy. It's the last thing I want. It's the last thing that most caregivers want. Taking care of Judy is a promise I made 54 years ago when she was crazy enough to say I do. That's honor. That's honor. That's giving honor unto your wife. She can't speak. She can't move. But she was crazy enough to say, I do to me. And I will not throw her away. I will not give her away. I will take care of her. I will honor her. He didn't write Dear Abby seeking advice on how to address his need for companionship and his urges. Because to him, Judy Coughlin, the value that she carries in his heart is far above rubies. Now, What we see in the remainder of this verse gives us a visual of what it looks like when a husband gives honor unto his wife. As unto the weaker vessel, 
and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Peter said the wife is the weaker vessel. And a husband who gives honor unto his wife and dwells with her according to knowledge, he knows this. Jesus said that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is spiritually and morally weak for men and for women. No doubt about that. But it is undeniable that there are some women who are spiritually, socially, and emotionally stronger than some men. There's no way around that. That is a fact. So what is in view here is that she is weaker physically. And again, given the time that Peter was writing in, in that culture, women were viewed as less than, and wherever you find that type of thinking, abuse of women on every level is going to be prevalent. They will be physically, emotionally, verbally abused. No doubt about it. But that is not giving honor unto the wife. This is what Peter was challenging. I know what the culture says about how you are to view and treat your wife, but I'm telling you what God says. You are to give unto her honor. So the husband who gives honor unto his wife, listen, he deals with her gently. He deals with her gently. Spiritually strong women, please understand this, brothers. Spiritually strong women are still emotionally delicate. My wife is a spiritually strong woman by the grace of God. She is. And I have shared this before. Some of you may not have heard it, so I'll share it again. It spooked me. I watched her deliver our first child, Ken. I saw the blood vessels in her eyes. I, I came face to face with why they call it labor and delivery. She was laboring. She was uncomfortable. She was in agony at some spots. Pushing this boy into the world and listen, never shed a tear. That spooked me. We're on Hempstead Turnpike on Long Island, driving to the hospital. She was dilated at a six, on the phone with her aunt. Hey, Shelly, yeah, we're, we're going to Winthrop now, and I'm at a six. And I, I didn't know what that meant, but I guess when you're at a six, that's pretty, things are really happening, right? <laughs> right, you, you wouldn't expect someone to be that calm, is that right? I've never done this before, so <laughs> don't think I will. Spiritually strong women didn't shed a tear through any of that. But the Lord reminded me, think about it, son. The times that you've raised your voice at her, the times that you haven't been gentle in your dealings with her, what happened? She's emotionally delicate. Uh, brothers, I'm afraid that some of you are like a bull in a china shop. 
when it comes to dealing with your wife. You're just rough, insensitive, inappropriate, clueless, ignorant of what we're sharing. Let me give you the approach to dealing with your wife regularly. Three words, you ready? This is it. Really simple. Handle with care. (laughs) Handle with care. Don't be a bull in a china shop. Handle with care. Husbands who give honor unto their wives, this is how they deal with their wives. They're careful and deliberate with their choice of words, and they're even more careful with how they deliver them. Their hands are used for caressing and comforting. This kind of husband is courteous, considerate, and compassionate. This is the kind of man who, if he's thirsty, and he goes into the kitchen to get himself something to drink because he is considerate, he thinks, well, maybe she's thirsty too. And so he says, sweetheart, I'm getting something to drink. Would you like something? Can I get you something? He's considerate. When his wife is not feeling well, he hasn't seen a day of nursing school, but all of a sudden he knows how to become a nurse. What's happening with you? What's going on? What kind of symptoms are you having? Let's see what we have in the medicine cabinet. You know what? We don't have that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run to CVS really quick and grab that for you. I want you to relax. Let me tuck you in. Let me, let me get you everything that you need. Here's what we know, and we do know this. The husband who gives honor unto his wife, listen, is a spirit-filled man. The husband who gives honor unto his wife is a spirit-filled man. How do we know that? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Say it with me. Gentleness. Gentleness. Men who berate their wives and, God forbid, curse them, name call them, put their hands on them, is not full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of something else. The husband who is callous, uncompassionate, unkind, and how he deals with his wife, listen, he's simply ignorant and immature. He could have a PhD, I don't care. The husband who gives honor unto his wife, listen, he views his wife equally. He views her equally. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. 
The grace of life is the life that we as believers, husbands and wives, have received in the person of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Both husbands and wives have received that same life. And listen, the wife did not receive a lesser or inferior life. So she is not less than her husband in the Lord. And this is reinforced by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, this doesn't excuse a wife from being under the authority of her husband, but regardless of ranks, it speaks to the mutual submission that we are to practice and exercise amongst one another in the body of Christ. Again, like I said last week, as a husband, we too are under authority. And because we are under authority to Christ, That means that we don't get to lord over our wives and play God in the home. There has to be mutual submission. If we're doing a home project or we're planning a family vacation, I don't say, well, this is the color we're going to paint the walls. Let's go get it. I don't say we're going to Florida, so let's let's make it happen. Hey, what do you think? Let's talk about this. Let's dialogue. Let's listen to each other. Uh, Sam models this so very well for me, and I'm so thankful. There are times where Sam will say this to me in a conversation. Well, we'll be talking about an area of ministry that under his authority I have oversight of, and, and we're having a discussion, and he goes, well, I'll just submit to you on that. No, um, no, it's, no it's, it's, he's practicing Ephesians 5.21. Listen, when a husband honors his wife, she feels like she has a viable place and voice in the home. She does. In other words, she doesn't feel like she's a yes wife. She's a bobblehead where she just says yes to whatever you say. And a godly wife will be thankful for that and not abuse it. Finally, as we land the plane, I want to challenge you, brothers, husbands in particular, to not be dismissive of these last two weeks. It is terrifying to me that a man can sit through what we've covered these two weeks and walk out like he didn't hear any of it. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. And it's terrifying because what that means is is he has hardened his heart toward God and his word. That's why it's terrifying. Some husbands will come face to face with all this, and when the dust clears, blow it off. And go back to carnal business as usual. But here's what I've come to recognize, and enough ministry experience has taught me this. Here we go. Over the lifespan of a marriage, husbands either become more Christ-like 
or they get lazy. See, the math that some men do, this is it. You ready? God, your glory and my wife are not worth that much to me. It's not worth the effort. It's not worth the change. It's not worth making the hard decisions. Your glory and my wife, they're, they're, they're not worth that to me. It's not worth that much. And so I'm going to continue just doing what I do. I am not interested in putting in that type of spiritual sweat. The husbands who become more Christ-like, you know what they do? They dwell with their wives according to knowledge and they give honor unto them. But the husbands who get lazy, you know what they do? They settle for a graveyard marriage. And it is that. Listen, if you're not a Christ-like man, the culture of your marriage is a cemetery. The stench of death is all over your home. But that's not the worst part. <laughs> that's not the worst part. Here's the worst part. Consider these promises. And you're going to think, okay, what's, what's so worse? These sound great. Okay, hang with me. Let's walk through it. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Amen? Okay, John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen? Okay. How about 1 John 5, 14 and 15? And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Amen? These are precious promises from the Word of God that bring comfort to all of our hearts as husbands and wives, men and women in Christ. However, the husband who is not dwelling with his wife according to knowledge and giving honor to her can take no comfort in these promises because they are canceled out. They're canceled out because his prayers are cut off. Look at it, that your prayers be not hindered. I've heard this verse taught before where they make it applicable to, bo to both husbands and wives. The prayers being hindered or cut off are specifically talking to the prayers of the husband. If you are not dwelling with your wife according to knowledge and giving honor unto her, you are wasting your time in prayer. 
That'll make you tremble, or at least it should. This word hindered, it means to extend, which means to cut off. As Sam would say, talk to the hand. Brothers, if you are not Christ-like as a husband, God has a problem with that. The husband who is not dwelling with his wife in a Christ-like way, listen, is a very frustrated man. He's very frustrated. And God will see to it that he remains frustrated. Because few things are as frustrating as trying to pray to God who is not listening. Boy, this is humbling. And for me, sobering. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) But let me tell you, some of the prayers and conversations I've had with the Lord through all this have, whoa, I'm thankful. For some of you brothers, there are things going on in your home and in your life that are absolutely gut-wrenching. They are. And you've given up on prayer because uh, in your weak and immature processing, uh, subtly, you've, you've concluded, well, that whole prayer thing, it really doesn't work. So let me try this. And let me try this solution. Let me try and tack it that way. Let me address it that way. And because this whole prayer thing, that's just... Uh, That's just fantasy. It's fiction. What you're missing, though, is God isn't listening to you. Because you're dwelling with your wife according to ignorance. And you're giving dishonor unto her. And God says, until that changes... Father, we've come face to face with you and your word. God, this must be sobering. There's no room for excuses. There's only room for repentance. So God, whatever we've heard from you these past two weeks as husbands and men, Let us be swift to obey to your glory and the edification of our homes and this church. In Jesus' name, amen.